welcome back. Hi, welcome back. Whoa. Whoa. I... Delay. Oh, he's on Boost Mobile. Uh, uh, Boost? What? An obscure phone network. Not not that as... as T-Mobile. Net 10. T-Mobile. Cricket. T-Mobile again. (laughs) Did you hear T-Mobile, like, fucked up and, like... Most of their um, user information got leaked this last week. La- Wait, last week? Yeah, this last happened? week or this week? Yeah. Holy shit! No, yeah, T-Mobile didn't... fucked right up. Wow. They and it it's like most like financial like information Jesus. that was stored in that. Like, oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure Sounds I'll like be hearing about it at work. Uh, yeah, Casey's a phone guy. Couple I don't days. know. I don't know if. That's ever been mentioned yeah. on the podcast. This guy fucks with phones. I do. I, I fuck with some phones, y'all. You guys I, ever uh, see Breaking Bad? Yeah. That's <laughs> Casey does that with phones. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you have any broken phones that you want me to flip for near a fortune, uh, for a new fortune, well, let me know. <laughs> he no. sells Notes threes for millions. Yeah. He, it's got my cut. Cu- <laughs> my customers, uh, they pay top dollar. You see what I'm, you see, you know what I'm saying? But, um, well, that's interesting that their information leaked. Um, kind of uh, unfortunate for anybody using... T- Actually, T-Mobile just recently had a merger of uh, Sprint. Really? Yeah, so that well, means that all of Sprint's customers as, as well. So if you're on Sprint or T-Mobile, you might want to check that shit out. Oh my gosh, look what they have to do to have a fraction of our power, power. <laughs> says, here at Verizon. <laughs> Verizon, <yeah. laughs> What do you use? Uh, I use AT&T. Okay, you yeah. fucking coward. Well, I mean, AT&T gets service everywhere. Verizon doesn't. Verizon gets service everywhere. AT&T doesn't. I mean, do you want good service or bad service? I want good service. So yeah, that's I know. why, that's I, why I have Verizon. <laughs> fucking hell. God. We're we're playing this. right into their corporate hands. They want this discourse. They do. It's the it's the classic red versus blue. Um, red versus blue. Yeah, it's the you know it's like. Um, well, I don't know. Like, what is this machinima? Yes, you know, there's red versus blue. There, there's also you know Democrats and Republicans. Oh my gosh! And now we have Verizon and Sprint. Like, it's always a red v blue thing, man. I think that I think the only time that hasn't worked out for a company is is left Twix and right Twix. Did, did anyone care before? Yeah, I, no, but they didn't. They never. They never said that right Twix and left ha- left Twix were actually different. They're not. They are. What? Okay, so I was told recently that it's not just a marketing thing. Like, there is actually, in the right Twix, there's more cookie. And in the left Twix, there's more uh, caramel. And so you actually, that's why they sell the right Twix and the left Twix separately. So people actually pick. Like, they just, Twix never fucking explained that. So people didn't buy into it as much. They just thought it was stupid. It was the same thing. But no, they're slightly different. One has slightly more cookie, one has slightly more caramel. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know this either. Until I thought the whole joke was that they're the same. Yeah, well, that's what I thought too. But I've been told differently. I mean, fact check. Well, you know, I had to fact check myself, but I, I was I was told this not too long ago. Um, that's too... 
That's too fucking crazy. I, we we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of this <laughs> this discussion field. I mean, look it up still. But yeah, uh, I, I, I would be curious to hear your your film opinions rather than this corporate nonsense. Yes, anymore. I'm sure our audience would as well. Uh, what what is the is there a difference in left and right Twix? Question. Oh no, oh, internet. internet. Oh, I just have to oh, connect it real quick. oh no, well, this boy. How are we recording this internet podcast without any internet? Yeah, it's live. Everybody, you might not know this, but this podcast recorded live. We uh, just never have any live viewers. Oh, no. To conclude this study, I regret to inform you that there is no... Sorry, excuse me. There is no difference between left, right, left, twix, right. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of mad at you because you made it sound like slightly more interesting yeah. and then you well, took I'm, that I away i was lied to i was lied to I'm who even sorry. told you that shit i can't remember you i don't... can't you gotta stop meeting with these twix like ceos and listening to their shit they they just don't care about us you know and you gotta stop pretending like any corporation cares about you anyway that's true what corporate product <laughs> in the form of movies did you um, consume this i week? consumed only one movie one feature film presentation. I yeah, I consumed one feature film since we last spoke. One cinema. Yeah, one cinema. Um, it, I watched uh, Reminiscence, the new Hugh Jackman movie, written and directed by Lisa Joy. Um, we were Ooh, talking a little Westworld. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about it before the podcast started, but uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it except for the fact that. It is, uh, I stand firmly by my, my uh, analysis of it in, in, the, in that it is, if Chinatown was directed by Christopher Nolan uh, and written by somebody way worse than Christopher Nolan. Oh. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically, it's, uh, it's like, like the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I know at least like I can count on my hands and toes noir films better, done way better than this. Um, because it, nothing about the film is really even wholly original, you know, like mm. the, the sinking city is just, will you shut up? The sinking city is just, uh, you know, Blade Runner has done that with the, the water, right? Well, a bunch of films have done that, but yeah. mainly Blade Runner is, um, and then the whole, the memory about how people don't want to look forward to the future. So they look past and they live in an alternate, that's just ready player one Garbo. And just, like, this whole, like, mystery takes a lot of beats from Chinatown, and it's just ridiculous. It's nothing's interesting about it, um, except for the fact that uh, Hugh Jackman and, um, and I forgot her. Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, yeah they were good in this movie. Um, and and the, the mystery would have been a lot more interesting if it wasn't for the fact that they used this memory tank thing as a crutch for exposition for like tons and tons of exposition and on top of that we have Hugh Jackman narrating the damn thing and mm. it's just I like I feel like these people think I am really fucking stupid right now cuz it, it sounds like Blade it. Runner the theatrical cut like the yeah. original one with Harrison Ford just like explaining everything to the audience that's it's, that's disappointing yeah i well and maybe that's Lisa Joy taking notes cuz like I think she's a very frustrating. Her and Jonathan Nolan are a very frustrating team because, yeah. like, they've got a lot of interesting ideas going on in Westworld, and I, I think they tend to blow it with a bunch of pretentious, like, up their own ass, like, bullshit. Mm -hmm. And like, 
telling stories in like very convoluted ways it's, so it's like supposed to pay off later if you do your homework and, and analyze like everything that happens but like maybe it got to her like that people didn't really like seasons uh two and three of westworld and maybe she needed to like compensate for that yeah. but it just doesn't sound like that's the way to go I, I haven't seen reminiscence but i i was hoping it would be good yeah. and i'm, I'm kind of bummed to hear it's not yeah, because the trailer was edited really well. It really mm-hmm. made me want to watch it. I thought, you know, this looks like a movie that could be in my top ten at the end of the year, possibly. Because mm. um, everything was there for me. But uh, even Raymond uh, Raymond Jawadi did the uh, soundtrack. For oh, this. man. And granted, the score was really interesting. Especially, there's I'm thinking of this specific scene that's set in this clock shop. And he incorporates like clocks in the music really well. Um, so he's just an awesome composer no matter what he's given, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the rest of the movie just didn't live up to, you know, all the talent going on here. <clears throat> yeah, it, her being her directorial debut, hopefully um, later on she'll get a, get the hang of it, maybe. Um, it's just, this is a very, like, Westworld team project, you know? Yeah. A lot of people from, from that here. And I just wasn't super impressed. Um, but that's... All I've watched, I will probably get into the Richard and Mortimer episode here in a minute. But other than that, I mean, I've been, I've been doing other stuff. But what about you? What have, what have you watched? Gotcha. Well, I uh, I haven't watched too much in terms of movies. I watched, um, I rewatched There Will Be Blood. Oh, hell um, yeah. Which is, I think, I can comfortably say PTA's like best movie. Like, yes. It's, it's, it's just flawless. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. Like. You know, it's been talked about to death, like, how mm-hmm. good Daniel Day-Lewis is in the movie, and, like, every performance is so authentic. The, the, the production is incredible. The naturalistic look of the movie is, is like, bonkers. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot believe how they made this movie look so fucking pretty yeah. and, and look so much like that time period. I think... um. What I want to especially brag on this this watch through right now is is the score by Johnny Greenwood. He's the guitarist for Radiohead, and he fucking kills it yeah. for this movie. Like the instant it starts, it's got that like droning. Like yes. it felt very two thousand one in that way. Um, but he does so much. Like not only does he like uh, emulate kind of like a more classical movie score in a lot of parts, but when there's like intense action going on, especially with the oil rigs um the score becomes a machine yeah itself it's like it's it's just mechanical in the mm. way that it like plays certain like notes and noises at these times and it's an incredible piece of yeah. work and it's still light on the ears like it's it's easy to listen to mm-hmm. it's not like too industrial um where it's like annoying you know some, yeah some scores are like oh, i'm just this is better if you see it in the movie but i think the whole there will be blood score is still listenable apart from the movie i so I know that you rag on the Safdie brothers and, and their <laughs> scores, but I feel like this is like the peak of what a score like Uncut Gems mm-hmm. is like going for, where like everything sounds a bit chaotic, but it's definitely all intentional. And I definitely I fucking love it. And I, I think what I really respect about There Will Be Blood, especially coming off of uh, Boogie Nights, is yeah, that restraint I was talking about that I like in mm-hmm. um, PTA's back half. Um, it's 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 nice to see the man you know just like take a moment to linger on like shots and and you know not just do like a one take like every other scene just because he can i mean he does plenty of visually impressive stuff in this movie but he knows when to pull it out and when not to and i'm not saying that boogie nights is like 
super excessive. It just definitely knowing what we know about his career now and you know the man he was back then. It it, it seems like a twenty six year old on coke, like, right? It, right. Going like, let's make cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so there will be blood's incredible though. I I don't think yeah. I can say anything else that hasn't I, been said about it. I yeah. really want to rewatch it like very soon. So I'll probably do that on Netflix. But, you have a great TV I to do. rewatch yeah. that movie. Oh, I, yeah, I that's will. gonna be a fantastic experience for yes. you. Yes, I uh, have a I have a huge ass TV that I. I wanted i paid good money for that shit i said i that's that was uh, my big purchase for my birthday i was like i'm gonna buy a big ass tv to watch movies on god damn treat yourself Um, i started a movie with um ken we haven't finished it yet it's called house and it's a 1970s japanese horror movie and i wanted to watch that we um we started it and i will say this it is um it's so trippy and weird and and crazy it was like almost too crazy even it we didn't even get too much into any of the horror elements yet and Mm. it was like already using so much like yeah i i don't know like brain power because it's like all of the shots are so interesting the Mm. way they're framed and all of the music choices are a little bit odd and the tone it like bounces back between this like really cutesy like anime japanese (laughs) feeling and just like a more somber serious like movie and it's all very surreal like mm-hmm. i think this is this is up there with like a racer head in terms really? of like surrealness Surrealist, except yeah. it might be even more trippier but yeah i haven't finished it yet but i i gotta say i'm impressed with the start of house and then i've got something that isn't quite a movie but i want to sell you on it okay so there's a game that just came out called 12 Minutes. Oh, it's, hey. Yeah, it stars James McAvoy, yeah, I've heard. Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe. Um, and I played it over the weekend. It took me about three hours to be... It, it, it ranges depending on, like, right. uh, your, your, I guess... I, I don't know. what Your willingness to try out lots of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I loved it, though. Like, it, it was so well done. It's a game where uh you play a man stuck in a time loop and basically you play the same like 10 minutes over and over again where your wife has some pretty life-changing news for you you celebrate and then a man shows up and kills you both um and the loop repeats and so as you're doing it you're finding out more and more about what who this man is why is he coming here to uh to to kill you to to come after your valuables and everything and um mm-hmm. the the mystery at play like i thought i saw where it was going and then in the last like 30 minutes my mind got blown and i was so freaked out by like what what's at the center of it all it's so good it it, okay. it really is like playing a movie and it's also just a lot of fun as a game mm-hmm. like well i don't want to spoil anything but like in my experience, I kind of fucked up and I focused on the wrong thing. Like I was trying to figure out how to beat something and then uh, the loop kept happening and I wasn't like grasping like what I was doing wrong. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it's because I'm completely circumventing the the like uh, the events that they want me to do this in. Like they want you to do things in a particular order so you can unveil the story in a gradual way. But that's, that's the thing is to each player their own little adventure and, yeah. and solutions and it's so much fun and also okay. Willem Dafoe James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley are incredible and they don't phone it in for this which I really appreciated so nice check I'm, it out. I'm excited I had heard mixed things though I guess some uh, 
I don't know. I guess it depends on what kind of gamer you are, but somebody had said it was the most boring thing that ever played. Really? Yeah, but then I heard other people saying that it was uh, it was definitely worth the dive, and I, I thought, hmm, this might be one of those, depends on what kind of gamer you are, I guess, where, you know, but I don't know. I'm, I saw the trailer for it, and I uh, I'm, was very excited for it. I think I saw it on E3 this year. Um, so, yeah, I definitely want to try it. How much is it? It's it's twenty five now. 25. I bought it when it was like ten percent off, and I mm-hmm. got it for like twenty two dollars. Um, but it, it's worth it, and I think that if you're not enjoying the gamier aspects of it, which is point and click adventure, kind of figure mm-hmm. out stuff, uh, you can always just use a guide and and watch a pretty good time loop movie. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like I, I enjoyed the story at hand enough. I do think it's enhanced though when you're making those revelations yourself and when you're figuring out just how everything clicks. And um, hey guys, Casey uh, here, post recording session. Um, during this uh, recording, we had a lot of problems with Audacity uh, buffering and cutting out some parts of the audio. So for this next, you know, three to four minute portion where we were talking about games there was a bunch of pieces cut out so uh it wasn't worth it to try and cut around it our conversation started making no sense so i thought i'd just jump in here and uh you know obviously first say sorry for the audio cutting out Uh, i'm going to try and find a solution to that um but second of all what we were basically talking about what isaac was explaining with moon logic uh about 12 minutes was that moon logic is, is something a term they use to describe uh, games where you have to think of the most you know psycho nuts shit to try and figure out and progress through the game uh, and then he proceeds to ask me uh, what some good story driven uh, games are uh, I included firewatch and super hot in mine uh, and he included the telltale games and then we went into a discussion about how telltale uh, went out of business because they kept producing uh, games, um, too many games uh, every year to where they had, you know, it was quality or it was quantity over quality. Uh, and yeah, we were kind of sad about that because a couple of the Telltale games were uh, really exciting and really fun to play. Um, but now we're getting into Richard and Mortimer, uh, Rick and Morty spoilers for the last three episodes because uh, we haven't talked about it in a while. So if you don't, uh, want spoilers for Rick and Morty? Skip to this timestamp. Twenty-six minutes and ten seconds, and we will get into our main topic for the day, which will be war movies: Vietnam versus Iraq slash Afghanistan war movies. And yeah, sorry about this delay, guys, but enjoy the rest of the episode. Rick and Morty. Rick. Rick and Morty. Rick. Rick and Morty. Copyright. Um. Latest episode. Uh, actually, I want to hear your thoughts actually first on the thanks the thanks exploitation episode, the Thanksgiving with the turkeys and shit. Oh, that was um that was funny. I liked the idea like right off the bat that this has happened enough times <laughs> that they have to have like a convoluted plan yes. to to make it work. Um, I I enjoyed it. I do think that it was one of those episodes where like they really ran the concept into the ground by the end. But mm-hmm. I something I always like about some of these obscure Rick and Morty episodes is they've always got like kind of a fun message at the center of it. And and I guess this one was like American exceptionalism, like mm-hmm. what what makes us like think we're so special. Um, I don't know. Like, it, I think it did touch on that, like and, and manifest destiny. And then there was also the fun like alien 
yeah. subplot. And they're yeah. absolutely right. Like it did it doesn't get old that they're buds. Like, yeah. Oh, that's never gonna get old. They yeah. don't hate each other. Seeing Rick and Morty as fucking turkeys just <laughs> I, I was laughing so fucking hard. I thought this. Uh, I thought it was a great episode. It was one of my favorites of the entire season so far. Um, so yeah, I really like that one. I like when the president is I on the too. show. Like I like I like Keith David like yeah. being able to be on there. Like, only o- only president episode I haven't liked is the the sperm episode. Obviously, oh, God. that one was dumb as shit. But th- this one was was way way fucking better. I think um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then the next one, the Gotron, uh, Gotron, the go, 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 Gotron thing. Um, I mean, yeah, like I'm not, uh, I don't know a whole lot about anime, um, but I know enough to, to get to understand the premise and everything and the whole animation switch up, uh, in that one scene where they're <laughs> animating their, uh, in like the anime style and whatever that was, yeah. that was funny. And it was interesting to see, um, Rick and Summer, uh, kind of plot line there so i, I also i do enjoy stuff. the rick and summer plot lines and i liked that um you know even though it had an anime backdrop it kind of surprised us with the with the like good fellas yes. style like mobster movie um, i love that yeah plot line and and then that reveal that like it was um you know little aliens in their heads in their head, causing but... voiceovers like I love that Rick and Morty doesn't waste like right. any concept. Like if they're gonna indulge in a cliche, they're gonna do something fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, this newest episode, um, the Battle of Blood Ridge, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is one of those like I'm surprised that they're interested in making. Like you know, mm-hmm. they seem to hate serialized storylines like that. Yeah. But like. They keep bird. coming back to bird person. Mm-hmm. They keep coming back to bird person. This is another time that they've referenced Rick's like um, wife. Like I feel like they might have like a reveal about that yeah. soon, which is interesting. Like you know, for a season that seems to have been like mostly like episodic and, and disconnected, like it feels mm-hmm. like they've touched a lot on like fan questions and like yeah, storylines yeah. that people are really interested to see and i'm mm-hmm. i'm all for that and right. i think that this was a wonderful bit of like fan service and still also telling jokes mm-hmm. you know i i really like this episode I, I a did lot too i did too i think also i think the reason why they keep coming back to bird person is that bird person is such a or phoenix person now i guess he's such a he's back to bird he's person. back to bird person yeah. right right um He's like an integral part of Rick's backstory mm-hmm. and about how why Rick is the way he is. And I think Dan Justin Rowland and Dan Harmon and the writers they're interested in expanding upon that, and I am too. Uh, and like you, I hope we get a reveal of some sort about Rick's wife because I feel like that's something that I would have figured they would have done in like seasons like two or three or something. You know, it just kind of feels overdue to not. We don't know anything about it, and I feel like we should. Maybe I don't. That's maybe my brain thinking. Like I feel like this would bring us some some sort of revelation about some characters here if we knew who she was and stuff. So I like. Okay, so I'm gonna compare it to a series that I really like. I like that Rick and Morty is for the most part episodic, and I like that when they do whip out the serialized storylines, like mm-hmm. it's always pretty good. And I yeah. think that's with intention that most of the show isn't like that. It mm-hmm. reminds me of Cowboy Bebop, which is like maybe my favorite anime series of all time. It's tied with like Neon Genesis, but um, it that show is like 26 episodes long. 
five of them have to do with like a main plot. The other 21 are just like bullshit, but they yeah. can sometimes hint at details mm-hmm. like that. And so, I mean, if we've only had like five like plot episodes of Rick and Morty so far, they've all been like very yeah. fun. And the, the the remainder episodes we have are some of the funniest and most mm-hmm. interesting like sci-fi concept episodes out there, especially the sperm one, which is... I think the best episode ever made of yeah. television. Okay. You know, like better than you know, better than the Ozymandias episode of Breaking Bad. Better oh, than God. better than Hard Home. Better no. than all of that. Hard Home is um, Wait, you don't like Hard Home? No, I do like Hard Home. Okay, I was like, just thinking. I just thought of. I just thought of Game of Thrones, and I just you, you got to roll your eyes at it. Yeah, roll my eyes a little bit. Um, I totally understand that, but. Um, yeah, Rick and Morty, Rick, Rick and Morty, Morty there's Rick and a, Morty. we're gonna have uh I can't, we should obviously mention this is the first time it's ever happening in this show, we're gonna have an hour-long season finale that's, in a couple weeks, I'm that's excited, really neat. I, I'm very excited for that, um, yeah, the, so far, I was looking, the longest episode of Rick and Morty there is out there right now, it's 23 minutes and like, 27 seconds oh my gosh like, that's the longest episode we have, so, well, they, they always know how to carry a good mm-hmm. pace throughout yeah. the episode. You know, and it, it, it always flies by. So yeah. I wonder you know, what that longer length will look like in right. practice. They've never done a two-parter or anything before. Yeah. Either. Well, That's... kind of. The the season two finale oh, and yeah, yeah, season yeah. three opening, I guess, are kind of a two-parter. But yeah. they feel disconnected enough. Yeah, know? definitely. I, I um, Yeah, I, I think it's weird because we're going to end the season on technically just nine episodes. Yeah. Uh, which... I mean, adults since ordered seventy, so there must be a, a good reason they wanted to do, you know, just hour. They probably counted as two. Still, they probably counted this too. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm excited for it, and uh, yeah, let's, let's talk talk about war films now. Yeah. So specifically, um, this last week. Yeah, there's with, been some developments. Yeah, in Afghanistan, um, everything has gone to shit. Like I. I don't know. There is a really striking um, image to me this mm-hmm. week, where um, at the airport in Afghanistan, the, the the refugees are fleeing, and that military plane is like taking off, and people are literally like clinging to it, like yeah. getting on the wings of the plane because they don't want to stay. They they want out of the country so bad that they're not even thinking about the fact that they'll probably fall off the plane and die, which a couple of people did. Yeah, I think did there was you like see seven that video? people died mm-hmm. because they fell off the plane and stuff or got uh, crushed, and it was very sad. Yeah, and and like this is all felt very reminiscent of like the fall of Saigon to me. Like mm-hmm. the the images we're seeing, the the only thing is like this war has been completely different. Than Vietnam mm-hmm. in terms of its media portrayal, like Vietnam, I think we were fully aware during the whole course of the thing that it was a bunch of bullshit. You know, yeah. people at home were protesting all of the time. Lots of anti-Vietnam movies came out during, during Vietnam. Vietnam War, yeah. and, and meanwhile, with Iraq and Afghanistan, like we, uh, there's been a strong like support the troops sentiment and a yeah. and a like kind of a distance between our our homeland and this war. Like, I don't think that the American people have really felt for 
the Iraqis or the Afghanis like at all during mm-hmm. this like past 20 years. And it, and it kind of feels numb to even talk about like the fact that we've been there longer than we've been in any other country. I think it's lost on people. Like, yeah. I don't think that that means anything anymore. Mm-hmm. That's how like desensitized to this war we've become. And I, I kind of wanted to examine today why that might be, why, you know, in the past war movies have been, a certain way you know like vietnam especially has been critical mm-hmm. world war ii has maybe been a bit more positive mm-hmm. where where is the uh the iraq um slash afghanistan conflict like movies and you and i actually started in a good place you recommended that i watch this video is there an iraq war genre by the yeah. youtube channel now you see it yeah um and i think that they got into a lot of great points that maybe we can start jumping off of for sure um so I broke it down a little bit. They um, explain in the video that there's kind of like three eras to examine. There's World War II films, which mm-hmm. are, for the most part, show the American troops favorably. Yeah. Like uh, in that uh, time period, you know, there was a general sense of duty. Mm-hmm. It was a justified war. And I mean, uh, most people agree, looking back, the Nazis were pretty bad. Pretty bad, you know? yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, we get movies like Saving Private Ryan and, um, you know, Band of Brothers that focus on, like, American, like, mm-hmm. bro- brotherhood, brotherhood and, like, yeah. you know, like beating out those bastards overseas yeah. and, 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 and generally having a good cause. Despite however many war crimes might have happened during World War II, we don't typically hear about them because right. on our side, it felt pretty correct. Like, the, mm-hmm. the major one is dropping the bomb on Hiroshima mm-hmm. and, and Nagasaki, but... um. You know, even that doesn't get too much uh, mm-hmm. movie coverage. Like, it's it's always kind of a footnote. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that reflects the American sentiment I, that I feel like war. The, um, the, the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki is more explored through satire than anything. Yeah. If you think about, you know... Dr. Um, Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove, exactly. That's a, a wildly hilarious fucking movie, by the way. But the ending there is... I mean, the movie's very, very critical of not maybe not world war ii so much but very critical of the bombings and that's really the only movie that i can think that i've seen that has been that you know and it was it was a comedy it's it's satire there's no i can't think of any movies that are the very seriously depict you know the bombings like i think um i think that you have to go overseas to like depict right bombings like that obviously the japanese have made a lot of movies about the horrors of world oh, war definitely. ii like i think one of the most harrowing war movies i've ever seen is grave of the fireflies which is mm-hmm. i mean i don't think it's much of a spoiler alert because it's revealed in the opening scene but it's it, it's a movie about two japanese children like starving to death yeah. you know in, in, in a country that becomes completely inhospitable and foreign to them um mm-hmm. and then also if you look overseas i mean you see that the rest of europe was definitely not so flowery about mm-hmm. world war ii like the british often make movies about the relentless bombing that they endured from the uh from the germans uh during that time period um the russians uh especially were hit hard i i think uh come and see yes, uh, uh, is is the best example of that because say. that movie is about like just how terrible it was to to be invaded by another mm-hmm. country and like the the burnings of villages and the slaughtering yeah. of innocents you know that that's just something we don't touch on when yeah. it comes to World War II with the, with our country. I mean, we we get into the Holocaust sometimes. Like our right. Jewish um, our Jewish filmmakers like to explore that. And I mean, 
occasionally a non-Jewish filmmaker will will come and like make a movie about it. But I think the best films are definitely yeah. come from the source, like people who right. experience that trauma. Like, oh, I hate to give the man credit, but Roman Polanski with yeah. The Pianist. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the best looks at what it was like to actually be a Jewish man right. during there's, World War II. There's, a, um, there's also the nine-hour documentary Shoah um, directed by, uh, I think he's a Polish director, um, and he went and visited the uh, Auschwitz, the death camps, mainly mm. Auschwitz, and I think he visit. I don't think he visited all of them, but it's a it's a nine hour documentary of just basically him walking through the death camps, and there there's like information being told to you and stuff like that. I, I need to watch it because apparently, if you want to be a filmmaker, you really need to watch this movie. Okay, um, that's I mean that's <laughs> I don't want to gatekeep or it and. Uh, Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Gas, Boss, man. Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, it's said that that movie is one of the best. Uh, I guess they fit it into the war genre as well, just about the Holocaust. Um, but yeah, not really um, critical of anything we did. More of just no. like, look how awful Hitler was, you know. I think, yeah, especially like, I don't think I've seen a single American movie that shows like a troop doing anything like morally like irrehensible, yeah. like reprehensible uh, yeah. or anything like Yikes. I, I I mean, not yikes, just like, I don't think there are any yikes moments in, right, in right. movies about World War II. Like, truly, yeah, it's, no. it's like, the, those were the golden days. That mm-hmm. was the good generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the good war, whatever. Which is why when we get into, like, Nam, um, which... Good old Nam. Good old Nam. It's a bit surprising to see um, the, the tone shifts a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know that I can think of a movie about the <laughs> Vietnam War that's that says positive. that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I love Vietnam. <laughs> what a good war. Wow, what a totally justifiable and, and good cause. Like, the most famous war movies about Nam are all, like, very critical. Like, yeah. I, I would say, you know, Born on the Fourth of July, Apocalypse Now, yeah. Platoon, they, they're all movies where the uh, the American soldiers are the antagonists, really, like yeah. in the in the horrors that they inflict on the rest of the world. And I, I mean, especially the Vietnamese is it, it's just savagery. And, you know, I think the, uh, the now you see it um, video makes a good point that that was the sentiment back home was like, this is a senseless war. Mm-hmm. We have no right to be there. Um yeah. And there was, this was also the first war where the cameras kind of came with yeah. the soldiers. You know, we're, we back home are seeing what war really looks like. In World War Two. I mean, we're being shown very fancy, like, Propaganda, you know, basically. reels. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the American, the American military can do no wrong. Look at this reel in the theater. Yeah. Uh, the troops are doing good, you know. Yes. And, and meanwhile, I mean, I actually did read an interesting book about world war ii this year called the bomber mafia and it was talking it's by malcolm gladwell and it was talking about how um american bombings were not going very well at Mm -hmm. all like because that world war ii is the first war where planes you know you had to factor in their bombing because they're traveling like (laughs) and they're throwing like this big of a object i mean like a like a football out of a plane and trying to hit an exact target it didn't go so well but like propaganda would show like Wow, the bombings went so great today. (laughs) And meanwhile, like, where it led to was actually relentless bombings of the Japanese that um, killed them. You you know, lots of civilians. Like, World War II had a high civilian death rate that we don't talk about. And we are a big proponent of killing civilians. Yeah. But in in Nam, that 
came to light. You know, that was something that people were aware of. Also, fratricide. In every war, um, the, the statistics of friendly fire have been kind of pushed down. Um, and in Nam, I think it became apparent because of just how many friendly fire killings were happening. Over 57% of our deaths in Nam were friendly inflicted fire? by U.S. soldiers. Yeah, Jesus. fratricide is a big problem in the U.S. military. So, I, I mean, I think that's another thing. And, I mean, that's something Platoon even touches on. Like, Willem Dafoe yeah. gets uh, gets killed by... Um, well, he gets screwed over by other American soldiers right. and left to die. But, like, yeah. that's that's something that's interesting to see in, in those non-movies, though, is, like, the U.S. soldiers don't have a camaraderie. You know, the brotherhood of the World War II era films is gone. You know, and even if someone makes a movie about Nam today or makes a movie about World War Two today, like that will be a stark difference that you'll see between mm-hmm. the two is like the Nam people don't have any brotherhood. And, you know, there's conspiracy and and a sense of hopelessness and pointlessness to it all. And in World War Two, it'll always be justified. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Do you I, have a favorite like Nam depiction? I, I think or? Platoon is really Honestly, really, really good. Probably one of my favorites. Um, I man, I used to watch a bunch of war movies when I was younger, and I can't possibly remember them all. I think though, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, there was a movie called. I don't want to. I don't want to. This will be. This will be interesting. There's a movie called Jesus uh, Rescue Dawn. Have you ever heard of this movie? No, I've never heard of it. Alright, my computer is... I'm so sorry, guys. Hold on. My computer's stupid. Oh, my God! <laughs> I can't remember if Rescue Dawn was about the Vietnam War or, or it was about something else. I think it was... Uh, oh, it's down. It's in Laos. Laos, okay. So, it was... Uh, yeah, so it's during the Vietnam War. Um, he's about this... He's a prisoner of war, basically. And um. His plane is shot down, and he's... Uh, it's got Christian Bale and Steve Zahn, and... Um, it's very. I remember. It's directed by Warner Hart Herzog. I, yeah. I just read. Wow. Yeah, it's um, PG thirteen, but I still remember being pretty uh, afflicted by it. Watching it at probably nine years old is oh, when I watched. God. So yeah, that stuck with me. It was, it was rescued on and uh, pretty pretty bad stuff. Just everything you see about Vietnam War is never good. Yeah. It's never, and I think Rescue Dawn had a very not happy ending. I think he died there, but. Womp womp. Um, yeah, but Platoon probably being probably one of my favorites. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the greats. Like, I haven't seen Apocalypse Now. I haven't seen The Deer mm-hmm. Hunter. I, I've always I, seen bits and pieces of Apocalypse Now. Never the full thing. Mm, so, I would love to, to actually sit down and watch it. Um, yeah. And also, this might be the most egregious. Uh, I haven't seen Full Metal Jacket. All the oh, way really? I've seen... A long time ago, I saw all the way up to like the end of the boot camp portion of the gotcha. movie, and then yeah. I hear that it's essentially a whole nother movie. Right after that, with like actually going to Nam, but like mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, I haven't seen a lot of those greats, and so I, I I feel like most of my information has either come from like documentaries or sure. my grandfather who was like actually in mm-hmm. Nam. But I mean, even his stories, he didn't really like to dwell. On what happened yeah. in Nam, and and I, I later watched this Ken Burns documentary about the whole thing, and specifically his job was outlined, and it was like they they would sit in the dark um, uh, and like listen for Viet Cong, uh, and they're just sit sitting up all night, and if there were um, 
be a Kong in the area, you know, they'd radio in, they'd be like, hey, there's Viet Cong in the area, they're there. But sometimes the Viet Cong would set up camp so close to them that like, if they were to get a radio transmission and they needed to respond, I mean, this was the matter between life and death, because yeah. if they were heard, they would be like killed. So you, you would have to tap your radio button um, like once, uh, and they'd be like, are there enemy soldiers near you? And then you'd have to tap it again. And meanwhile, you're risking your fucking life because yeah. the people are still talking to you on the radio. They're still potentially giving away your position. So the only thing you can do is either communicate or turn your fucking radio off and like shit your pants. Like right. the yeah. guy in the documentary was like, I sleep with a nightlight every night after doing that. Jesus. So I'm like, I see why people don't fucking talk about Nam. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's very well documented that Vietnam was not a good war uh, no, in, in, the, in the media. And it's kind of a concession everyone makes. But interestingly, when we get to the Iraq slash Gulf War slash Afghanistan conflict, um, it usually doesn't dive too much into the justification of the war or even so much into like the, the military itself. Like I think um, the video pointed out very well that most films about the Iraq war focus on um, specialists, like US yeah, specialists, yeah. like Zero Dark Thirty is about the SEAL team that tracked down and killed Osama bin Laden. The Hurt Locker is about bomb, bomb technicians, bombs, yeah. yeah. Um, just a lot. Even of, American snipers, just about the sniper teams. Yeah, like and, yeah. and specifically Chris Kyle, who's yeah. a who's a bit of a like conservative like hero and and talking point. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of trying to get into whether the war is justified, they often use tactics to you know make it more appealing for audiences at home. It's like we don't want you to feel too uncomfortable about the fact that these characters are like killing people, you know? Yeah, yeah. We, we want you to feel okay that they're stopping bad guys with violence. Like, especially American Sniper, uh, it goes out of its way to, to have like a, a flashback sequence where uh, Chris Kyle is being told by his dad, like, sometimes people gotta, you know, use their fists to, to do what's right. And it's like his little brother's getting beat up at school and Chris Kyle like runs in there and he's like, oh, you fucking bastard. Like, bow, 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 yeah. beats the shit out of him. Uh, and, and the Now You See It video points out like, so after his brother was out of harm, like, did he really need to keep pounding on that guy? Or like, w were there other options to defuse that situation? And I think that that applies to the whole war is that these movies don't bother to question yeah. the war itself or like whether it was just maybe it turned out an, an oil um, steal yeah. by Dick Cheney and George Bush they just are more interested in telling a story about soldiers choosing to do something because the, the, the other thing about the Iraq war is like no draft yeah that's that's World War Two had a draft Vietnam had a draft no draft for Iraq. If you're there, you it's chose to go it's there. It's patriotism. It's like mm -hmm. the utmost respect for your country. And that's <clears throat> that's what's kind of crazy about it because, you know, I can't believe that, you know, well, back in last year, you know, 2020, the, the Afghanistan papers came out. It was basically like, you know, the Vietnam, when the, the Vietnam, um, there was a very specific like thing that came out. I think uh, I think the movie The Post is about it, about how 
the Vietnam was a, was a farce or was it yeah. Watergate? Or no, something? I think that no, was the Watergate. post. That, that was, was the post. post. Okay. So yeah. So it was like when that came out, everybody's like, holy shit, they just broke this story. The Afghanistan papers came out last year and nobody fucking batted an eye. And I read the entire thing and I was like, oh my God, this is literally Vietnam. Why are, why are we not talking about this? What There's we- so much negligence that goes yeah. on in this war. Like it, with Afghanistan specifically, we lost... Well, there was the largest cash transfer of all time by the Federal Reserve. It was $12 billion in in U.S. like paper money, and we lost it. We literally lost $12 billion, and it, it, it didn't go to anything. Too. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, like some of it got used for bribes, like some mm-hmm. of it was taken by workers, but the most of it, we can't account for where the fuck that went. So it, it's probably... In the hands of uh, people we don't want to have it. Yeah. Uh, it's similarly, um, the all of the Humvees and all of the shit that we gave mm-hmm. to the Afghani military is now in the hands of the Taliban. Yeah. By the way, like they, as soon as they sweep through the city, it's their oh, shit. It's their now. shit. Yeah. So what? So that's where our money went. It mm-hmm. went towards that. I, there was a really good passage I read this week um, from a book called uh, Jotun, I think. And it's, it's like a photography journalism book about uh, Afghanistan. And it, and it summed up, uh, and I also heard this quote on a podcast, it summed up like uh, what's so fucking crazy about the money that we were spending on these wars mm-hmm. is like a, a, a cruise missile costs um, $80,000, uh, the whole thing, and to fire it. And most of the time it is fired by a 19-year-old who can't afford a drink at his home country mm-hmm. at someone that he thinks is a terrorist and a lot of times those things are duds they don't go off or they miss yeah. like we're spending eighty thousand dollars per rocket yeah like that's that's where the fucking war cost yeah. is um here I, I also saw a very striking image uh in afghanistan of a huge ass airfield full of american military equipment that was paid for by the American people, right, that is sitting there that we did not take with us and that the Taliban now have. And I'm telling you, this airstrip is like two miles long and it's full of our equipment. And now they just took it over. It's it's like, it's like what are what were we even like, just the, the negligence of mm-hmm. the, the all governments involved in, into this whole thing is just is ridiculous. And I cannot believe, you know, like we'll probably get into is why there's no coverage of that why there's no criticism of that right now and i'm sure now in the next two years we'll get that but just in this entire 20 years since 9-11 there's absolutely been no like even barry didn't even criticize the war no like it was was more about ptsd PTSD. yeah and that's the main that's like the main thing we see especially in like american sniper is ptsd from the war it's like they're brave to go over there because there's no draft and then when they come home you know most of the films revolve around post-traumatic stress disorder and like everything they uh saw and felt over there and everything but nothing to ask why they had to do that in the first place so yeah this is pretty much our generation's vietnam like it's worse than vietnam at this point and i think yeah you're you're summing it up it's that sentiment that um people have had since the early 2000s it's the stand with the troops sentiment it's like if you can't justify the war itself, put it all on the boys in 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 uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. You know they're they're serving our country. They're risking their necks and they're coming home 
fucked up beyond belief. You know, they're exactly. they're traumatized. Like I know people traumatized by this war, and it's mm-hmm. it's horrible. Like we have a buddy. Um, uh, our family has a friend who you know went overseas and his vehicle ran over a landmine and i yeah. mean it changed his life forever the the injury that did to him is it, it i mean it changed his life and like it's it's so hard to hear stories like that and mm-hmm. not feel sympathy for the troops and in no way should this argument about whether the war is justified center on whether terrible things happen to our soldiers yeah of course they do yeah i mean every and, war that shit happened and of course we should advocate for them to come home and have access to treatment you know have like homes to mm-hmm. like live in yeah. if they lose their homes while mm-hmm. they're overseas i mean like we should watch out for our soldiers that's never been a question right. but this kind of becomes more of like a justification for the whole thing it's like mm-hmm. well if you don't like the war then you don't like the troops mm-hmm. and that's just like and you're un-american <laughs> yeah that's just not the 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 point um i think this started very early on in the iraq war when the the bush administration discovered that you know the people weren't really liking what they were seeing of the iraq war and it wasn't going all that well like no. the the whole reason we invaded afghanistan in the first place was, was to catch osama bin laden, laden and he escaped like about like a few months into that conflict like we almost had him mm-hmm. and he just like bribed the right people and got out and we fucked up we yeah. like didn't take the precautions to actually get him and so while that excuse ran out i mean the whole time dick cheney and bush are planning to invade iraq for unrelated purposes but they're going to tie it into 9-11 sentiment and when that starts off things are not going well because we tell everyone like oh, when you get into the country, uh, you're going to be welcomed as liberators. No one was happy to see American soldiers in their country. And I have an example, actually, of Mm. some of this very early propaganda that I think brainwashed people and that we still haven't recovered from. It's the story of uh, Jessica Lynch, who uh, was, I think, the first POW uh, in Iraq. Um, Basically, when she was 19, she, uh, she signed up for the military. She went off. And uh, her unit uh, took a couple wrong turns uh, and ended up in enemy fire. Like, it was kind of incompetence, uh, but that's not what was at the root of the reporting of the story. It was about Jane herself, I mean, Jessica herself. uh, And there was a pretty famous Washington Post article covering her capture that says um, she was fighting to the death. And the the report, um, you know detailed that she like emptied her clip into like the iraqis around her she was stabbed at close range and she still didn't like give up shooting she was gonna fight till she was dead and like a lot of problematic reporting you know like saying like oh the iraqi soldiers like raped her you know it was very much like these people are savages and and the bush administration i think fully knew that they had like a pr like gold mine on their hands and they asked ABC to make a movie about the whole ordeal. And so seven months after this incident happened, um, a movie was made about her capture and her heroism. Uh, like, literally, movies do not get made that fast. So yeah. the, that it, it's pretty shameless propaganda, but people were eating it up at the time. I mean, we just wanted to believe that our soldiers were out there and they were real passionate about the cause. Therefore, yeah. we need to be passionate. Um 
In truth, though, what happened to Jessica was a little bit less dramatic. Um, she and her unit did end up like in enemy fire and they were ambushed, uh, but they didn't even have their weapons out. They truly thought that they were stumbling through villages that were going to like feel liberated, that we're going to give them presents and food. So when they were getting shot at, the first thing that they felt was confusion. They didn't know why anyone would be shooting at them and they thought it was a misunderstanding. Um, by the time that most of the unit was killed and a grenade hit um, Jessica's Humvee, I think they figured out like, okay, so we are under fire. But at that point, there wasn't really a battle. It was just oh, no. like the American soldiers drive to the wrong place and they're killed. But what's fucked up is that uh, Jessica was knocked unconscious by um, her Humvee crashing into another vehicle. And that's how she sustained most of her injuries. The Iraqis did not rape her. They did not stab her. They did not even shoot her. They brought her and another person who was dying to a hospital. Uh, the other prisoner of war died of their injuries. And, and Jessica was left in a hospital um, until the Bush administration shipped a camera crew overseas to Iraq and the camera crew and the special ops team uh, collaborated and went in together so that her rescue could be televised on American television. At several points though, the Iraqi soldiers offered to bring Jane back, I mean Jessica back to uh, the Americans. Christ. And they refused so they could get this PR like movie, this stunt essentially. So I think the genius of the Bush administration is that they knew Vietnam, the cameras took away from the sentiment of the war, and they thought, we need to use the Just cameras for the us. Cameras. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's put some conservative filmmakers behind mm. the camera, you know, and make it a sense of duty and make it a sense of patriotism. And it absolutely fucking worked. Yeah. Like, I don't think there have been, like, hardly any movies that have come out in the past 20 years that are, are super critical of the uh, of the war i the, the now you see it uh essay mentions jarhead which is yeah. the the gulf war conflict which mm -hmm. is very similar of mm -hmm. course um and that movie depicts like a soldier wanting to get into the action a lot and then by the time he uh he ships out you know they're beating the iraqis it's not even that much of a conflict like they have nothing to shoot at he almost gets to shoot something and then he's interrupted yeah. and stopped um and that sounds like a very interesting movie. And it's not too surprising to hear, though, it didn't do very well. Mm -hmm. And it was deemed unpatriotic yeah. at the time. I Yeah, not surprised at all. <clears throat> there is, um, that's what's so, what's going to be so hard probably going forward making movies about this conflict is the fact that we have this the administration manipulating cameras manipulating stories over there it's uh it's going to be another uh, fake news sort of thing well that's false information that this movie why did this movie get made that's not how it happened at all when in all reality it, it is going to be exactly how it happened it's just um n no of course it's not going to be the most patriotic thing i think the worst thing to happen to not just filmmaking, but just to this country in general, to politics, is that if you're critical of something, that you're just you just hate it and you think it should be abolished. Um, not not quite, you know. There, I think um, 
kind of what and which was why I'm so surprised that that Barry didn't even get into it. You know, yeah. Barry is already dealing with he's an assassin. He kills people, and he likes it. He maybe he doesn't like it, but he's okay with it. Yeah, and you have that whole Iraq war, you know, sequence, which I thought the show was going to get into. You know, maybe kind of criticize, it, but no, it just again it takes the whole the troops have PTSD route, and it's uh, I don't know. I don't know. I hope that. Uh, <laughs> do you know what the name of that movie about Jessica Lynch is called? Do you know? What it's, it's called Saving Jessica Lynch. Oh, and it was okay. yeah. It was like um, it was pretty. I mean, it's panned, especially in retrospect. But even at the time, I mean, even though people supported it because it's like, oh, this is the story, right? Yeah. Um, it it it, it was rushed into production by the Bush administration for sure to yeah. make sure that like wonder the PR. I wonder if that'll get remade <laughs> in in a, in a sense, you know, probably later. But um, dude, I I definitely think like the the problem we're facing now too is with refugees coming into mm-hmm. our country. It might it might be even longer before we get someone who comes out and makes an overly critical movie of the mm-hmm. war. Because we're going to get a lot of uh, very familiar Islamophobist and, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, like fear mongering, like uh, media like pieces, I think, especially from conservative outlets. Like, I think mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of um, demonizing of Afghani re- refugees. And, and yeah. you know, I think that we might actually see a lot of conservatives kind of flip their view on the war. I think that. You know, in the 2000s, we were all in for, like, defeating the Taliban. Right. Um, Pretty evil regime, to be honest, but still. These days, it seems like the the sentiment is like, oh, my gosh, we should have made peace with the Taliban a long time ago. Trump, if he was still our leader, he'd he'd have done it. And, I mean, he did make peace with the Taliban. The situation that we're dealing with now um, is a result of his peace deal last year. And conservatives have been pretty quick to scrub uh footage of that event of that peace deal signing but that was trump yeah that was trump um it was a trump era era policy that's what's so frustrating about our current um political climate is that war is uh i mean it's political sure but the, the the discussion of war has been apolitical for a long time you know like the general like Horrors of war have been universal to people and everyone can say like, oh, war's a bad thing. I think what's so frustrating about this um, era is like, oh my God, war's political too. Like if you're a conservative, you have to be on this side of the conflict. If you're a liberal, you have to be on this side. And it's like, no, maybe uh, maybe we should just uh, like talk about the, the facts of the matter, mm-hmm. like the, the, the truth at the center of all of this because it's become like a blame game you know like liberals are saying oh god it was trump that fucked it all up and yeah conservatives are saying biden has made a complete mockery of the situation and let's be honest here all four of the presidents have fucked up but bush is the one that got us into this mess mm-hmm. obama is the one who decided to continue this yeah. fucking thing like Obama doubled down. Like people like to give my homeboy Obama like <laughs> slack for that. Um, no, he he chose to continue this operation, yeah. even though he saw that it was completely failing. He doubled down on Afghanistan and Iraq. Like he had an opportunity to walk away from that, and he didn't. At eight years. Yeah, 
It, it, it was so bad. Like, he promised that we'd be out of there in 2011. Yeah. No. I mean, they killed Osama bin Laden, but that's definitely like a look at us. We're like such a good administration thing. Man, I'm just realizing I don't really like too many American presidents. No, they're all they're kind all of shit bags. Shit, yeah. Like, I, I mean, even the way Biden's dealing with this now, like, I'm not yeah. trying to throw all of the blame on him, but even the way he's handled this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. downplaying the warnings the U.S. government was given about how terrible the situation was going to get and how fast it was going to get that way. He didn't expedite any um, visas for people who are trying to flee the country. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you yeah. doing? I don't know. It's a it's a whole uh, complicated, convoluted situation that I am both annoyed but also ready for the films about. Because you know they're going to come, but I, what are they going to be dealing with? You know? I don't think any of them are going to get into the into the whole truth of the matter. I no. think that we're going to see a lot of blame films. We're going to see a yes. lot of on-the-nose like uh, films. And I think... <laughs> Sadly, that means that we're going to see a lot of low-budget, like, right-wing, like, movies that are like, Biden and Obama ruined everything. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get some very high-budget, like, boot-licking Biden movies that yeah. are like, when when Joseph Biden finally stepped in and, and ended the Afghanistan conflict, my God, liberal Jesus right there. He <laughs> sure did. Jesus. He, he undid all those evils that everyone did before. And by the way, did we mention Obama's blameless, too? Because he is. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. They're both blameless. God, oh, I'm fuck. not. I'm not ready. I'm not. I, if Stanley Kubrick were here right now, what do you think his movie'd be like? It'd be. It would probably be another sex orgy movie. <laughs> A sex orgy war it, movie. Eyes wide shut. To <laughs> the 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 breaking. Who who would you want to direct? A true to the facts war movie about the Afghanistan conflict. Mm. Who, who would be the best to tackle that? I, uh... Oh, God, that's such a hard choice. I feel like, um... You know... Oh, fuck. I feel like the Coen brothers could probably do a really good job with the material, because, like, they don't... I mean, they do great action, of course, yeah. but I think that's something they do is, like, you know, make, um very serious situations that are mixed with like incompetency like very funny very funny and also they can be serious too like they they walk that line between satire Mm -hmm. and like very serious like so well like i and i think that their movie um oh shit in the loop what's that one with brad pitt and francis mcdormand fuck it's the it's the one where they're like trying to unearth like some conspiracy i think george clooney's in it i'm just gonna keep oh, talking until uh, i find it uh brad pitt oh god brad what is that called is it the informant no, no that's not, not the informant but i think that's about uh that is, that's also about some kind of conflict uh yeah matt damon spilled the beans on something yeah i think it's god, what is that movie it's, it's uh, burn after reading burn after reading yeah yeah, yeah. like i think, I think that. that movie's a good example of like you know, the the incompetency of people and, like, satire and, and, and also, like, political espionage, you mm-hmm. know, being all very intriguing. I think they would make a super interesting movie, whether it's Boots on the Ground and um, 
yeah. in Iraq or or whether it's back at home with the Bush administration, I think that they would have a very fresh lens on it. Um, right. So, so you pulled I, up. Somewhere. I I pulled up. I think uh, this might be the the pick everybody might go to, but Oliver Stone. You know. Yeah. He's he's known for. I mean, he did Platoon in '86. Yeah. So I mean, if anybody is, I, he's very. And he's Critical. a Vietnam vet. He is. Um, I, I love. I love. I think his movies are well done. And there's a. There's a. Uh, Peter is it Peter Wahlberg or that does, that does all the the all the Mark Wahlberg uh, um, movies like um, Patriots Day. Hold on, I got. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, Patriots Day. Patriots Day. I don't remember Patriots Day. You don't remember that? So. Is this like a Michael Bay esque? Like so Peter what? Berg. Okay. Oh. Peter Berg did like The Kingdom, uh, Patriots Day. He did Deepwater Horizon, and he did a couple other. But he does. Peter Berg is like the more action driven, less political Oliver Stone uh, because they. I feel like they make sort of like in the same vein kind of movies. Like it's like you know they can. I can see the resemblances, but. Oliver Stone does it way, way better because Peter yeah. Berg's more concerned with directing action, uh, and Oliver Stone's more about the political side of it. And but yeah, I would definitely have Oliver Stone direct a Afghanistan conflict, but I don't know that he will because he's seventy four years old. Yeah, he's old. I mean, I, I had to look up if he's still alive. That's before his last I said few it. movies have not been super stellar. Yeah. Like I don't know, he what? did Snowden recently. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't remember See, too much about that, but he. I mean, that is a movie critical of the U.S. government. So I mean, yeah. That's why Still. I had, uh, I was seeing what, what, what newer stuff he had done, but, um, I mean, Snowden, apparently he did a, a Wall Street sequel. Yeah. Um, uh, he did the World Trade Center movie, but I mean, that's, and he did W. Oh. W is pretty, isn't that pretty fucking, like. I remember liking it when I saw it. I don't remember too much about it. I, I'm curious to see W and I'm curious to revisit Vice uh, that looked like it might yeah. try and get down into the nitty gritty of like all the ugly like Dick Cheney manipulation and right. all the nasty parts of. I really want to watch Nixon. Nixon with Anthony Hopkins, Ooh. 1995. That looks uh, looks uh, promising. <laughs> yeah, no. Oliver Stone is a director that I definitely want to see more from because I've never seen For Platoon sure. all the way through. Um, I need to. I know. Yeah. Natural Born Killers. I've never yeah. seen JFK. Yeah. Born on the Fourth of July. All of these are movies that are considered so good, and I haven't yeah. fucking seen any of them. I'm. I'm he's a, a big fan. He's a, he's a man. He's a man that directs the political movies, and uh, from what I can tell, everybody seems to like him. So. Hey, yeah. there we go. He's he's the pick. He's the pick. Um. But yeah. So. Pretty pretty good discussion there. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's uh, just. Uh, it's a fucking mess, is what it what it is, and it, and it we're talking about it early, you know. And yeah. Next year there might be some, or even next fucking week might be oh, some God. new developments that just you know completely shift the the entire uh, conversation again. But I think right now, at least in, in the first time in twenty years, I think people are all collectively going what a fuck up yeah maybe not all for the right reasons right but everyone is looking at what's yeah. happening in afghanistan and finally it's like people have been snapped out of something mm -hmm. and i mean at the very least even if we don't get any interesting media or movies that are objective about it 
we have people talking and i think yeah. that's that's the important step in in you know doing a yeah an analysis just, of what we fucked up right i just hope that we think a little bit harder before we try to get into another fucking war like i don't even think after 9-11 the whole we even wanted to start a war or maybe maybe they did want to but i feel like the american public oh the american public was i mean they were out for blood but it was like for one for guy, one guy you know? right? yeah an like, organization really but and you know what's fucked it's up evolved over the years I, I learned that like the taliban offered up osama bin laden in the early days too oh, like really? they were like you can kill him. Like we we didn't want him doing that either. That was really bad for us. Like that means that a lot of people are gonna come here and, and fuck start, with our shit. Yeah. So we have some concessions we're willing to make. First of all, he can die. <laughs> and the American yeah. government was like, Nah, you know we we kind of want to invade Iraq. So it would be oh in Afghanistan too for right. the oil. So I mean it would be really nice if we could just go ahead and ignore you yeah. and come over there anyway. That's so. That's so annoying. I feel like also there was this like this sense of uh, of duty because the Taliban are pretty. They're like you know is Islamic purists. That's what they call themselves. But they're, yeah. they're extremists and they do executions and they hate mm-hmm. gay people and they hate women and, and yada yada yada. And yeah. I felt like maybe America was like, yeah, well, you ought to do something about this. You know, as being such good people, and then we just started doing what we were doing in Vietnam, which is nation building, and it's not fun, um, and it's not good for anybody. No. And I think it's fucked up that we. Uh, that this has been 20, 21 years now of this shit. Stupid. In conclusion, and Team America <laughs> is the best movie about the Iraq war out there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, next week, we are, uh, well, we're going we're gonna to have a live fire drill uh, mm-hmm. on the podcast next week. Um, I was trying to think if there's any movies coming out that I that we uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I was I was like something next week's happening. Oh wait, Sh- uh, Shang Chi is happening next week. I think. Really? I thought that was in September. Oh, you're right. It's September third. I'm tripping. What's you next? Know what? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I I think that uh, here on our here on our little calendar here, it's mm-hmm. it, it does say that we are oh. invading. Yeah. Uh, TBD. TBD. So. Yeah. A little bit of excitement. Yeah. We want to hear on Twitter which country do you think that we should establish a, a regime in? Uh, let us know. Yeah. Um, we'd be curious to find out if they have any valuable resources. Right, oil if, maybe. Yeah, are, are are they communist? That makes it easier usually. To yeah, do that. Just yeah, or a hint of socialism. We'll take that. That'll, yeah, we'll yeah. Just anything like vaguely like anti-American you can think of. Mm-hmm. We would love. Anyway, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Be sure to support the troops. Stand with them always. Yeah. Uh, and Casey, I mean, do do you love your country? I definitely love my country. Get down on your damn knees no. and clap your hands over your head because you love your country so okay. much. Okay. Now, Simon says, kiss me.